Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast It's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you, yes, you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by Dan. Look at my Dundarees, Dundee, Kruger. I want a Dundee. I, I think we should just You want stick, a Dundee? That's our topic that's, for this episode. What, I'm just changing course. I won the Dundee. Our listeners are here mm. to learn about six things I wish I knew before doing my first deal. And you're over here like baiting, switching and being like, nope, we're actually here to celebrate my Dundee. This is a big deal. Well, it's a Dundee. It, once we've a been, year. Uh, once so, a week. Yeah. Okay. We got we to gotta explain this because people are like, Dundees? What is a People are crazy. Okay. So um, a number of months back, I can't remember how long we've been doing this now, but I can't, I can't believe it's taken you this long to win it. Um, Remarkable considering there's only four people in the office. So a couple months back, we, we, we've been introduced. We, we do this thing called the opportunity meeting every week. On Fridays, we bring the team together and we say every week you need to bring your top three opportunities that you see for the business, for us as individuals, as the department, whatever. Because uh, we focus so much on like things going wrong and like solving problems and like day to day fires. What are the yeah? What are the issues not we need to solve picture for? Things. But not enough time always thinking about the opportunities. Like where where can we where where could we go and what could we do? So at this meeting, Reed and Rachel decided at some point that they wanted to get competitive mm. and they wanted to introduce an I award. And so they, they brought in a trophy. Not just any trophy. Not just any trophy. A Dundee. A, what's, isn't that from like a movie or TV series? So if, you, if you're not into the office, just fast forward. Okay. You're fine. So, so what, what was the context of a Dundee? That was like Michael Scott's award that he would give yeah. to people at the end of the year. Every year, I think it was kind of the equivalent of like the the whole the whole like high school yearbook thing, like most likely to do this oh, or that. That's right. He had some kind of spin on that, yeah. and then gave out Dundies. Okay, so, so each week, a good then, episode. Each week, we take a vote on like what was the best opportunity of that mm. week, and then whoever wins gets it. And the, there's a couple caveats. One, you can't vote for your own thing, um, and that's pretty much the only caveat. But today, Dan won. I want to say Reed has won the most in the past, right? Here's the thing, however. Is that accurate? Mm, I, don't, I don't think that's accurate. I think accurate. so. No. I always vote for his stuff um, for some reason. I don't know why. I actually think, I think I've think i won it the most. You would. Yeah. I don't know if that's um, accurate. I do know it's accurate because I, I keep <laughs> counting. No, I don't. I actually have no clue who's won it the most. Show All I know is it. that Dan has not. But today when Dan won it, oh. I want to point out that usually there's four people. And this is just like the corporate office. This is... You, me, Rachel, and Reed competing for this. Rachel is out because she's getting married this weekend. So really, it was a watered-down pool of competition. Or was it more pure? I don't know. Was it more pure? I, I think what I'm extrapolating here mm-hmm. is that Rachel has been against me mm-hmm. 
Well, that's absolutely true. Dundee. Rachel, she Rachel is the worst at the whole not voting for her her own thing. Like when it comes time are. to like wrap it up that's and be like, okay, let's let's re- let's recap what we have. She'll like, she'll do the whole like, my ideas were this, this, and this, and then and then also we had these, 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 and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we see what you do, Rachel. We see it. Maybe it's working if she's been winning. Um, what do you say we talk about real estate? I guess. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that is why I showed up today. So I'm here for the real estate. Tell me about mm. um, things real estate related. Uh, I guess before we do the thing that we usually do, which is uh, talking about real estate, let's first do the other thing that we always do, which is we do a lot of bad things. investing advice. Yes. So are you ready, Dan? Of course. Okay, of course. on the count of three, I'm going to change the camera so that all our listeners who are mm. watching on YouTube at Multifamily Investing Made Simple can see your close-up hold face. On, hold on. Let me stretch. So if you're listening to this um, while Dan is stretching, just know you could go over to YouTube and watch Dan stretch. All right, on the count of three. One, it's two, profound. three, go. Oh, and we're on. All right, bad investing tip of the week. I've got I've got a couple here. I think the one I'm going to go with for this one is bigger's better. Shout out to Grant Cardone, Uncle G or Uncle C. Yeah, Uncle G, I think. Uh, there's a C? lot of people. I don't know. I, it's been a while since I've watched his stuff. There's a lot of people out there that that promote the bigger is better thing. You've got to be doing bigger, bigger, bigger deals because little deals will waste your time. Uh, it's called bigger pockets for a reason, not littler pockets. Think maybe, maybe. Think about it. Um, but I mean, there's some logic to it, right? There's there's efficiencies that come with scale and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into any deal. So even on a small deal, going and getting under contract and executing it is going to be about the same amount of work. Um, so there's some logic to that. But what I will say is that there's actually some really pretty great arbitrage opportunities in small deals. So um, what you'll find is that uh, you're dealing with less sophisticated sellers and buyers in the smaller deal market. <laughs> so this might be like a five unit or- Are you trying duplex. to suggest that they're dumb? No. Is that what you're saying? Less attuned to market data. Ooh, that's a nice way of saying they're dumb. So you're gonna find less loop. sophisticated <laughs> participants. You're not gonna be competing with private equity. Um, and it's a lot of deals just kind of, a lot of people kind of poo-poo the smaller deals. And you're going to mostly be getting sellers that may not really know exactly what they've got. They might not be investors. They might just be somebody who has a small property. So some great arbitrage opportunities. And the actual returns you can get on a percentage basis are usually pretty darn good. It's just the total dollars are a little bit smaller. But at the end of the day, 50% is 50%, right? So if you can make some pretty good returns, there's something to be said there. And it gives us a unique opportunity to work with specific investors. We've got a lot of people in our investor pool that have some unique needs. And sometimes those small deals are perfectly suited for those unique needs. It might be a tax thing or 1031 exchange investor or something like that. So they give us some flexibility to partner up with one or two people, create something unique to fit those needs. And also, like I said, there could be some extra opportunity down there. So don't poo-poo the small stuff. No poo-poo. A good deal is a good deal. So you're saying some of our investors are uniquely needy. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you're telling you're calling them the sellers dumb, mm-hmm. big dumb dumbs, and now you're saying our investors Dopey. are uniquely needy. Okay. All right. You're just defending everybody today. <laughs> if that's how you want to interpret it, <laughs> here's yes. the the thing about bigger is better that I always find funny is that bigger is in, entirely relative, right? Yeah. Like what I consider big at this point in my career is very different than if I went back five years. And if you go to Grant Cardone, what he does these days is like orders of magnitude bigger than what he used to do, like to the point where. He wouldn't even sniff the stuff he used to do when he first started. And here's the other thing. Grant Cardone, I see you. I know how you really started. I know. You started small. 
He started with small single families and then he scaled. And at the end of the day, like if bigger is relative, then context matters a whole lot because yes, all things being equal, wouldn't it be great to have 10,000 units rather than just one unit? However, 10,000 might just not be feasible for whatever reason. So you got to start where you are yeah, and find where the opportunity is. And that's the thing is like, I've seen people who are like, I want to invest in real estate and then, but I want to buy a 200 unit complex. And I'm, then they just sit on the sidelines for two years and do nothing because they just passed up on this 10 and this 20 and this 30 unit building. It's like, you could have been making really good money and investing in real estate. Instead, you're just sitting on the sideline talking about how bigger is better. So have fun with that. Yeah. To each their own. But, but then again, bigger is better. So, I mean, it's a thing they say for a reason, right? Yeah. It's on a few t-shirts, a few bumper stickers. So. I have it written down on my piece of paper here, my digital paper. That's how you know it's good. It must be real. All right. Let's do it. Let's get into the episode topic this week, which is six lessons or six things I wish I knew before getting into my first deal. And this one is like going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to just, I'm just going to say that right now. I have three right now um, that are going to be really fun. So the first one um, for me and I've told this story countless times. It's about the bounty hunters. It's just that bounty hunters lie. Like they're, they're like the big lesson that I took away from that whole experience. And if you don't know my story on this, like go listen to any other podcast where I've talked about it or read the book where I go into in, in depth. But it, eventually, effectively, I was bamboozled by bounty hunters because I did not realize that they are allowed to lie and falsely represent themselves. And so if there's one thing you take away from this is question everybody doubt everything and do not believe bounty hunters because they are dirty liars. That's good advice. I never would have known that. Yeah. Um, no, that is a good story. I feel like we should probably throw a link to our, it's at least in our origin story. For it's sure. definitely in the origin yeah, story. Sure. In that one, it's been multiple episodes. We've talked about some of those early horror stories. Yeah. I think it was also the horror story episode. We did that for sure. Definitely. So that's a good one. If you guys haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. Um, I, was having trouble getting this whittled down to three because I could list <laughs> off at least a hundred things that I wish I had known on that very first deal, just because it's, there's just so much, there's so many moving pieces in real estate, but I've got to, I've got to say one of the things that I took away was it's going to take longer. Whatever your plan is, whether you're going to do a value add thing or you're just, whatever your, whatever your business plan is, add time, mm-hmm. right? My rule of thumb is when it comes to expenses and all that stuff, uh, time add, do take, take whatever you think it's going to take and then just add 30% just for the hell of it, because it is going to take time. My expectations, uh, going into this deal were that everyone was just going to leave when their lease was over. Uh, those contractors were going to get in immediately. I wouldn't have to worry about coordinating anything. The word logistics never entered my brain. <laughs> um, and I, I assumed that when somebody said it was going to take me X amount of days to do this thing, that that's actually what it was going to take. Um, but in the world of real estate, so anyone who's ever done something to their house and had a handyman or a contractor come in to do something, or if you've done investment deals like this before, you know, it's going to take longer than you think. And it's, it's just the way it is. So budget more time, plan on things taking longer uh, because it almost always does. This is awesome because my, my next piece of advice is almost identical. Uh, we did not obviously check good each advice, other's man. notes before going and talking about this. But mine is 24 hours is not enough time to turn a unit. Mm. It's not it's simply not. I had yeah. so that, that tenant when I had to deal with the bounty hunter, they were the worst tenants I've ever had. I've, 
the worst tenants in the world. They had a baby like the the month that uh, that I closed on the property, and so I had this newborn, and they were they were like, oh, the baby's getting sick. You there's black mold in the bathroom, and like trying to put it on 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 the property. Um, n- never mind the fact that they smoked every single day in there. And then the the day that they were supposed to move out, they're <laughs> one of them got arrested for grand theft auto. Hmm. He had the car keys with him in jail. So the other one could not get into the truck to get all their stuff and pack it up and put it in the truck and leave. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the whole, that's I, I was, fault too, right? I was like, really listen to this. Like I was, I was like, I need you guys out. There is no way you're staying. You got to go because I have new, great, awesome tenants moving in like in two days. And I I was like there and I was like, Hey, do I need to go rent a truck? I'll pull, I'll bring it over. And I will help you. I will help you drag out all your stuff into that truck. And they're like, no, 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 we got this. We got this. I'm like, you sure about this? This is like at like 7 p.m. And they were supposed to be out at noon that day. And so I'm like, okay. They're like, well, also, by the way, this is in January in Minnesota. And it was like, we had an Arctic blast. It was like 30 below. It was so damn cold. Like, anyways, so I go to bed that night. I have a conversation with them like seven or eight and they're like, no, no, we're good. We're good. We're got this figured out. We're going to, we're going to be out in the morning. I'll just give us till the morning. I'm like, fine. You can have till the morning. So I come back in the morning. It's like bad idea. 8 AM. There's stuff. It's like, they're half moved out. I'm like, what is this? So the, the thing was because they couldn't get a car and it was so cold outside. I was like, you know what? Just take all your stuff and put it in the basement. Just put it in the basement. I'll help you. Like, and so we took all their stuff. We took like the next four hours or five hours and just moved all their stuff into the basement. And then they they pieced out, which then left me with half a day to turn a unit, to paint it, to rip out all the carpet, put in new flooring. To, to Are you doing this? Physically? I was doing all of this. Me and ja- uh, Jamie was doing all of this. I was. I mean, she's she's probably qualified. <laughs> she's way um, better than I was. I don't know about you. I had uh, my, my good friends, uh, Zach and Emily, they came over to help paint. It, it was a nightmare mm. from beginning to end. And then you think, okay, this story can't get any worse. Here's the worst part. They never came back for any of their stuff in my basement. And then when I went to sell the building, they were the new the new buyers were like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to get all this out of here." <laughs> and so I had to move it all out myself. So that's now something I know. wish I had known. Yeah, should have yeah. just said no about fifty thousand times throughout yeah. the entire process. Yep. But the things that you do because you're just desperate to get a bad tenant out, and sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to jump through hoops and be like, "Okay, whatever. I don't care who's technically in the wrong here. Like, we're just gonna get, we just gotta get you yeah. gone." I will literally, I've been there before where I'm at to the point where I will literally do anything. If you just leave just go. <laughs> and exit my life, yeah. please. I've been and that's before. where I was. Yeah. I was like, I was at the point where like, I don't care. Leave it all, burn it down. I don't care. Just go. <laughs> yeah. I can relate. I can definitely relate. Um, my next one is going to be a little bit like the first one. So, um, which is a lot like my second one. Oh yeah. Well, okay. it's going to cost more. And this one yes. is, I think, I think yes. this one needs a little bit more emphasis than the first one because yes, contractors are slow. Yes, there's delays. There's weather. There's things that that pop up and delay your your renovation plans, um, or in this case, you know, person just not leaving. Uh, <laughs> that stuff happens. But the really big thing, the one that I think really kills people, is the money part. Um, whether it's underestimating the expenses or overestimating the rent you think you can get. Uh, the really big one these days is, I think, the renovations. This is the big one that I think you've, you've, 
you've really got to take a good look at because materials are going up, labor is going up, everything's costing more than it used to, significantly more. And on top of that, just in general with real estate, things are just going to run over budget. So you combine that with all the inflation and all the things that are going on these days, and you've really got to put a lot of padding into the pro forma with the expenses, with the renovation costs, any costs that you've got, just assume that there's going to be extra ones coming in because this will kill you. Um, it might not just be running over budget. You might have a completely new thing pop up that you didn't even know you had to deal with. Um, if you had listened to our, our nightmare episode, I talked about a story where we actually had to have armed guards come to a property for a period of time because our contractors wouldn't even come and work there because we had one of these lovely tenants who uh, just loves to create a ruckus. And so we did not have armed guards in the budget. Um, didn't have that factored in, but there it was. It was they, a problem. They and don't it, mention that on the, uh, in the books that, that you're reading. That was not in the pro forma. Uh, <laughs> that was not in the, the prospectus from the broker when we bought it. No. Um, and so that, that stuff happens. You're not always going to have to have bounty hunters showing up or hiring armed guards because you've got a, a crazy person. Um, but there's going to be something. Uh, it might be a roof caving in. It might be a storm of some kind. It could be a, a just crazy tenant who completely demolishes a unit. That stuff is going to happen. Mm -hmm. The more deals you do, the more the probability is that it's going to happen. So you've got to have a big, hefty budget built in there. And then if you do that and your numbers still work, then more than likely you're probably going to come out favorable. But if all the things, all the crap hits the fan, you should still probably be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one's so important for business owners or real, real estate investors. Like just expense creep, it, it will kill you. And it's real. Like it... Everything is going to cost more, always, than you think it's going to cost. So yeah, hundred percent agree. Which kind of ties into my last, my last one, last thing I wish I had known, is um, there, a lot of the time when expenses creep up, it's because of this one. People cut corners, <laughs> like almost everybody cuts corners, and if you're if you're not careful, you are going to be the one that gets buried under an avalanche of sawdust, and this one, <laughs> so I have my nightmare tenant. They leave. I have all their stuff in my basement. I got my great new tenants moving in. The very first night they're in there, I get a call. And they go, hey, and they're very nice, very sweet couple, young, young people. They're like, hey, don't, I don't want to be a bother, um, but it smells like a fart in here. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And they're saying this like in a very nice way. Um, yeah, it just kind of, there's a smell that comes and goes. That means you should leave. And sometimes it smells like explode. a fart in the attic because it was like a two-floor uh, bedroom up there. And that was like the reason the whole, that part, that unit was so cool is like the second floor uh, attic bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I've The other tenant never said anything about this. Well, the other tenant also lived like a slob. So like they probably didn't even notice. So for the next month, I, every time they're like, oh, it smells, I'm like, I, I, let me come in here and smell it so I can understand what you're talking about. And every time I'd go over there, I, it wouldn't smell. Hmm. And I was over there a lot. And I was, I was like, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, Maybe I, it's you. Well, here, Did so, so here's the thing. This turns into like a kind of like a four month saga for these poor people. Because we're trying everything. We're like, mm, maybe there's like a pee trap or maybe the toilet or like maybe something is like uh, giving off fumes in some way. Like, let's try and like, we tried everything we could think of. It's still happening. 
And we're bringing plumber after plumber after plumber in. And eventually it gets to the point of like, we bring this guy in who has this sniffer thing, this tool that like set and smells things. And then you That's can like triangulate. Yeah, yeah, I guess wow. so. So he comes in and he's like going around and then he's like, oh yeah, there's, it's picking up something here. And then he would drill a hole in the wall and he'd stick his arm through and he'd be like, okay, right here. I, and he ended up doing this in like five different places in the attic, like <laughs> drilling holes in the wall to try and triangulate what the heck was going on. Hmm. And one of our theories was that the, the, um, the sewer stack that runs up through the center of the building at some point is an old building, maybe had cracked and now maybe like the sewage stink was coming out. And so we, we were trying to get access to this thing to see is this thing actually cracked. Well, in the process of doing this, he, he puts a hole in the wall on the other side of the bedroom and he sticks his head through and he goes, I found it. <laughs> Some sort of dead animal. It's not a dead animal. Okay. No, no, no. Because our theory, no, if it was a dead animal, it would have stopped smelling. That's a thing, right? Yeah. Like this was ongoing. Yeah, Cause months. at first when um, that, when they first said something, we had exterminators, we had a uh, plumber come in and they were like, it's probably a dead animal. And we're like, okay, it'll go away. Don't, and they're like, it's cool. Um, and it wasn't like so frequent that there was a problem. They were just like, it smells really bad sometimes. Um, and one day I did smell it and it was like, it, it was, it was gnarly. Um, they were way kinder. I would have been like, peace out. I've been done with this. Wow. What happened was the, the unit below it, the previous owners had renovated it and shifted the kitchen and they took the, the, the sewage pipe from that sink in the kitchen and they ran it up into the attic, not out through the, the roof. Hmm. So it was just piping all of their s- kitchen stink Ooh. into the attic. That's they just, weird. you poked your head through and you just see this open pipe oh. and you're like, and the, the plumber's like, yeah, that's not up to code. <laughs> I was like, no kidding. Wow. So that's what they don't tell you is that people cut corners and yeah. you're going to end up with a stinky attic. That's it. I mean, the, when you first said it smells like fart, my first thought was like some sort of gas leak, like the kind that blows up, not the funny fart kind, but like an actual like natural gas leak. Yep. Nope. Well, we, we, the first thing we like did like was try to, we rolled that one out. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Cause that's we knew they weren't in danger. Smell. We just knew it smelled good. occasionally. <laughs> That's interesting. I guess that resolved a little bit better than it could have. I mean, I, my next thought would have been some sort of carcass, which hopefully it's an animal, but you know, a carcass would have been fun. And this took us four months of concerted effort to, crazy. to figure this out because the way that the root, the, the walls in there were shaped, like it makes it hard to understand, but going through the walls was very problematic because th- this was a vaulted attic bedroom. And so the walls were vaulted alongside the studs of the roof. And so there really was like no space between the wall and the, and the thing. So like you would drill a hole and you could poke your head in like, and all you could see is like a foot in front of you. Yeah. So it just was like, it was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. And then you had a bunch of holes you had to patch, which were not in your budget. So hopefully you budgeted generously. My last one is uh, one that we've talked about quite a bit in general. It's a concept that I think uh, a lot of people aren't aware of when they get into real estate for the first time, but this one definitely rang true to for me. Um, it's it's a business. Uh, if you want to be investing in real estate and you want to be the one who's a hundred percent owner and doing everything, or at least in charge and running the thing, 
you've got to build a business around real estate. This is not going to be a passive endeavor. There's a lot of people, myself included on that first deal, that thought that picking up a property was going to be relatively passive. You just hire a property manager and that's the end of your worries. They do all the things for you. Not the case, especially now with value. Sweet ideals. summer child, how yeah. old you were. No, 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 no. If I could go back in time, I'd be like, stop, just go do it yourself. That's that's how this is going to end up. And, you know, with a small property, when you're first getting started, uh, it's the best way to learn all the things that there are to learn. Um, that's one benefit to doing the management yourself. Not an efficient use of your time necessarily, but it's a great crash course in all the things that you should understand. And uh, I think the biggest thing that I wish I had known is that this is a full-time business, even with a small little just single property, a six unit in my case, um, not a full-time job, not 40 hours a week, but also not something you can just outsource for 6% of gross revenue collected and you know, check that off your list of things to worry about. You've got to actually build a business. You've got to have a contact of, uh, or sorry, a roster of different uh, vendors that you have, that you want to use. You've got to have all these different people that you need to know, and you've got to be able to get things fixed quickly and provide really good customer service. And that is a full-time job, just being available to respond to people, to, to show the units, to respond to incoming leads uh, efficiently and quickly. Uh, it's a lot of work. And so even if you get a property manager, if your property isn't just a turnkey, stabilized, you know, well-oiled machine from the get-go, if it needs a little bit of improvement to it, it's going to require some work. Even if you do have a manager, you've got to insert yourself. So this is a business. Um, you could be passive. We provide that There's opportunity. Um, as, uh, you know, with the syndications that we do, we have limited partners. Wait, was this all just a big pitch? Absolutely. <laughs> I want to talk to you about our okay. business model. But yeah, you could be passive, but you're, if you want to just go buy a property, it's, it's going to be tough for it to be passive. If it's something you just own outright and you don't have a partner to help you with the work, it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hear this over and over and over, 100%, 100% all the time from investors who are like, I want to be passive and I bought this building and I, I thought it was going to be something it's not. And it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. And most people aren't, most people aren't in, in, if you're listening to this, maybe you're you're one of the people who are interested in being an entrepreneur and being a business owner and like all the things that come with it. But if you're the if you're the person who's heard the story about the bounty hunter, about the stinky attic, and about my my tenant <laughs> like moving all their stuff to the basement, um, and you go, I I want to deal with that. Then mm. cool, that you're the right person for this job. Um, but if you heard all any of that stuff and you're like mm, hard pass, then there are other avenues available to you. I would highly encourage you to pursue. <laughs> yeah, I had a little bonus one. Well, I had a few that I didn't I didn't use just because there's so many. But another one I was thinking about uh, was something along the lines of you better like puzzles and you better like solving problems. So I was going to say you better like getting kicked in the kneecaps. That's yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, <laughs> pretty much, right? <laughs> it's luckily I'm the type of guy who does like solving problems. I like to be the guy that that solves the puzzle and I get the satisfaction of saying, okay, yes, I, I was presented with a problem and I fixed it and we're good. Give me the next one. A lot of people aren't like that. And real estate is just a constant string of little issues that need to be solved. And they're all different than the last. They're all unique. And uh, it's just a constant string of puzzles and issues and problems to be solved on a daily basis. So if that's not something you enjoy, even if you think you want to start a real estate business, if you don't like that type of dynamic, then it's probably still not good fit for yeah. you, at least on the active side go do something else there's so many other ways to make yeah. money easier way easier so uh all right let's 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 pivot let's let's uh go to the next segment do, 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 do. here we are at the next round? segment um <laughs> uh that'd be cool 
we should be more game showy. Like have like a soundboard with like sound effects. Like wow. Ooh, I mean, yeah. our transitions and our pivots would be way better. I mean, that that was nice. <laughs> that was room for improvement. Is what but, you're saying. Yeah. All Let's right. Well, it. here's your book recommendation for this week. Uh, it's called The Psychology of Money. Have you read it? No, but that's Morgan on my Housel. list. It's been so saved good. in Amazon. So good. Is it's a good? quick read. It's like 200 uh, pages. It reads really quickly. Um, getting bumped up. But on it's it, despite not being a very long book, it's a very deep, deep dense book. And not in the way that it's going to be hard to read, but dense with really good concepts that if you can get your head around, um, you are going to do a whole lot better in the money game for sure. Mm. Uh, so The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Go get it. Or don't. Like what? What about? Like, what does it talk about? Like the, is it like mindset stuff, or is it um, like like group psychology type stuff? Or a lot of it is independent, individual mm-hmm. um, uh, psychology, then also group psychology. Like, but it's it's a lot about understanding um, the true variables of success when it comes to money. So I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and now that I'm on the spot, I'm I'm struggling. Uh, to think about what the last chapter was about, but it was really good. Oh, it was this, is that nobody thinks they're crazy. Nobody thinks they're crazy. So nobody's investing anything and thinking this is crazy, right? Like everybody has a justification. Everybody has a perspective and a reason and rationale. Um, Whereas you might look at that investment thesis and be like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Just recognize I do think nobody that. thinks they're crazy. So there's something to be either learned from that person or to be avoided from that person. But like that's the that's the first one. And if once you recognize that nobody thinks they're crazy, then the next step is to realize that you might be crazy and not realize it. Yeah. <laughs> take a second look. Hard have somebody yeah. else take a second look. Yeah. So and then he talks a lot about taking the emotions out of investing, being very logical, and I think you'll resonate with that. So it's yeah, so it's all just reinforcing things I already think. I love that. <laughs> no new information. Just confirm that what I say is correct. This is a book for Dan. <laughs> all right, guys and gals, we appreciate you taking some time out of your very, very busy life to Chill. sit here with us along, out, um, along uh, around the, the fire, the bonfire, um, and, and cook some marshmallows and have a good chat about... Uh, six lessons that we wish we had known or six things we wish we had known before we got into our first deal. Um, if you enjoyed this, you know what's coming next. Here comes my very pitiful plea to go leave a review. Okay. That's all for me. Now, go leave a review and please don't tell anybody that um, about any of this. So. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.